iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. This is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today we'll react to the sacking of Antonio Conte at Spurs. Is it time for a reset at the club? And who should take charge next? We'll also ask if it has thrown away their top four hopes. We'll talk about Harry Kane's future at Spurs, but also his record-breaking achievement for England, becoming their top goalscorer. We'll discuss the start to qualifying for Gareth Southgate's side and the impact of Bakayu Saka and James Madison. We'll talk about the Republic of Ireland, what they have to do tonight against France, a good start to the campaign for Wales and Scotland as well, as discussing our favourite golden oldies. This is the game. Hello, I'm Hugh Wizencroft. Welcome to the Game Podcast. It's another trio on a Monday morning. Uh, myself alongside Tony Cascarino and Gregor Robertson and loads for us to discuss. We'll start by addressing the elephant in the room. You all know the reality of the situation. When my voice is not 100%, what has Woozy been up to? It was a stag do in Berlin this time around. We enjoyed it. Can't, can't wait until the wedding of my good pal Luciano, who I've known since I was about 10 years old. But um, it, it's taken its toll on the voice. So, uh, you know. Can I ask you a question, today? <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Go ahead, Tony. Have you as a footballer, what footballer would you be or who would you be, should I say, to be more precise? If I was a footballer. Because you're a bit of a, a party animal, it seems, from the outside. No, I, I mean, I used to like going out, Tony. Things have changed. Used to. We were in Qatar together. You didn't go to bed till four, before three in the morning. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Tell the people why. It's because we were recording the game podcast every night, Tony. No, no, I'm not a party animal. If I was a footballer, any footballer, I, yeah, I'd be someone who was a fleeting talent. Let's put it that way. Deli Alley. Someone like that, I think, yeah, that's probably me, best summed up. Uh, speaking of which, let's start with Spurs, um, a man, of course, who's best known for his time at Spurs anyway. But it was big news last night. I know the newspaper guys weren't very happy. Greg, you're a newspaper man yourself, so uh, <laughs> you are now, you are now. Um, 10.30pm statement from Spurs on a Sunday night. Um, I know a lot of people thought well, maybe they just wanted Harry Kane to get his England duties out of the way so he wouldn't have to answer any questions about it. And maybe there is some truth in that. Manager Antonio Conte leaving Tottenham by mutual consent after 16 months in charge. Um, and it, it all came after this huge outburst. Antonio Conte calling the, the Spurs players selfish. He really criticised the club's culture and recent history, really, in, in a remarkable press conference and a couple of interviews as well after that 3 or draw against Southampton recently. Tottenham a fourth in the top flight, so this makes this, once again, one of the most strange managerial sackings, but I guess, given the relationship and, and the way it seemed to be breaking down, we can all understand it. They're also out of all the cup competitions, and Conte's assistant, Christian Stellini, 
will be head coach for the rest of the season. Huge decision alongside former midfielder Ryan Mason as his deputy. Um, in that statement, uh, Daniel Levy, the chairman, said we have 10 Premier League games remaining. We have a fight on our hands for a place in the Champions League. We all need to pull together. Everyone has to step up to ensure the highest possible finish for our club and amazing loyal supporters. Conte's departure means Spurs, though, are searching for a fourth permanent manager in four years since Mauricio Pochettino left in 2019. Was it inevitable? Does this mean that our reaction isn't as, as stunned as it might otherwise have been after that that huge rant, Tony? No, of course it's not. Of course it was inevitable. How can you do a press conference like you said in, after the Southampton game and say what you said and then accuse players and many other people of getting their jobs wrong at, at Spurs and you're going to survive that? To me, it was the most selfish act any manager I've ever known has done. What he did that day was to hang everybody else out to dry. And yes, you can say, well, the structure of the football club, it's not built for success and this needs to happen. I think you need to do that within the house. You know, I, I just feel you have done the ultimate last throw of the dice, causes much trouble. I I just didn't like it. And yes, look, years of Spursy being Spursy, it's been a throw-out phrase for years. And, and you, you know, from Fergie to many others who have accused, you know, Tottenham as a football club, this is nothing new. This is like the, the clichéd, oh, Stoke on a Tuesday night. You know, Spurs have been that for, for 20, 30 years. But that man, in, in one day, literally said everything about his club that he's the manager of. You know, I remember this scenario with Roy Keane. Roy Keane hanged out Man United. He put them to the absolute sword. What happened? 24 hours later, he was gone because he went too far. That was what Antonio Conte did for me. Not a surprise, Gregor. No, it's not a surprise. Look, the, the, the thing that was a surprise was that he took the job in the first place. It was only ever going to work if Spurs changed. Spurs really went for it. They really backed him and said, we're going to move up a level now. That was the only reason that this was ever going to work. Otherwise, we said it when, when he took the job. It's, it was such a, a strange union because he has to be challenging, competing for trophies. And even then, he's not happy most of the time. So this, <laughs> is all, this, was, this was inevitable unless Spurs changed. And they, they haven't changed. I think, like, although he was, I agree with Tony, he, a lot of what he said was true. And Spurs and Daniel Levy in particular now really have some serious thinking to do. They've failed miserably since Pochettino left, and we you know we spoke about the reasons about uh, you know there's a felt like still feels like there was a missed opportunity with Pochettino, but it did go stale in the end, and you can you could see grounds for for making a change. But every single decision since then has been a failure. Daniel Levy has failed. He's failed financially by how much it's cost the club in payoffs for one thing but also emotionally about how how the club now feels and how the fans feel about their own club and now ultimately the one cup final they were, being in, they were, they were left with Ryan Mason in, in the dugout and now with 10 games left of the season after all the investment in players we can talk about players too actually they've failed largely yeah. speaking about yeah. in the recruitment oh. but now with 10 games left they've got a man in, a man in charge in Christian Cellini who's only managerial job was uh, Serie C side in 2017 they failed so it, it just felt like a, the wrong kind of union from the, from the outset and this, this ultimately is not that much of a surprise if, if Daniel Levy were here he may say that he did back Antonio Conte somewhat I think mm. that it's, it's around £236 million of spending 
now he's only been there for 16 months that that's a considerable amount so i think it was maybe the gap that they had to close you know and and the fact that they can't spend big money huge money on players richarlison clearly failed mm. um son not being at his best this season that's been a big thing for for spurs i guess you can blame the manager about it if you like again we spoke about the capitulation that led to the the rant I still think Tottenham are good enough to get through the last 13 minutes against Southampton with a two-goal lead. Mm. And that has to be on the players. And maybe Antonio Conte lost it a little bit. We know he's had you know, many troubles in his personal life throughout the last year and some very difficult things to go through. But is he not human? Did he not just... Yeah, none of it's black and white. I mean, yeah. he, he's, you're right. They have, and, you know, he has been back to a certain extent and he's had, you know, had issues off the fields to deal with. I know it's black and white, but you knew what you were getting with Antonio Conte. Like, you knew what you had to do to... Keep him half happy, <laughs> so, <laughs> to keep him in, invested in the job, mm. and they haven't done that, and that's why we've seen what we've seen. You have to look back at the previous club of Inter Milan as well and ask questions because he left, and there was financial issues at that football club at that particular time, and the reason he didn't go to Spurs straight away was there was no settlement on his contract at Inter, so he was waiting on the severance pay. That's how Nuno got the job in that short space of time. Now. You can ask the question, is it, well, they're only the... And he said it himself, uh, Antonio Conte, that, you know, you've got to spend £70 million on a couple of players every every window. And, and the public club are thinking, well, we can't quite do that. This new stadium has been a huge investment and it, it comes at a price because it, it doesn't make them as strong in the market. I would look at Daniel Levy and Spurs fans are not happy about his behaviour. Now... He's in a very privileged position where he's in control and he acts like an accountant, which he is. He is an accountant by trade and he acts like one. Everything is accountable. I'll tell you a quick little story. You might think this is irrelevant, but it's about these little detailed things sometimes. Ex-players at Spurs, when they built the new stadium, they had about, I think, about 30 ex-players who do the lounges, be there, and they're not paid big money. They're paid just to host the lounges. Mm. They were halved last summer. They halved their work. Now, a club of that stature is half in uh, ex-players, which are not fortunes, Hugh. They get paid a sum, and it's a bit of money, a bit of pocket money for yeah, them. Yeah. And this is the sort of thing that happens at Tottenham. This club charges fortune for its seats. You know, fans to go and watch, it charges huge money for its drink. They get, like, 30,000-plus after a game drinking in the stadium. You know, this is... Like, it is lovely in there, so I, I yeah, can, I'm, I'm I can sure it is. Why. It is. It is lovely, but yeah. this guy who manages, who runs the club on behalf of Joe Lewis, is an accountant by trade, and he ends up literally. It shows on the field that everything isn't right. How can how can Antonio Conte come to this club and do what he wants to do, like that Gregor has talked about? But also, you chose terrible, and people might go, oh, "They're winners." Yeah, they were winners before they got to Tottenham and everybody's failed. So he has to take a lot of the brunt of how Tottenham is run as a football club. Yeah, see, I want to be careful about kind of lambasting Levy and Spurs for not spending absolutely eye-watering sums of money every transfer window. Like, because sustainability is important. So that's, yeah. that, that is one side of it. But it just doesn't tie. It never tied with Josie Mourinho getting the job. It never, ever married with Antonio Conte getting but, the job. But, so if, you've, if you're going to run, run your football club that way, you need someone that was more like a light, like, like well, Pochettino. They, they, when <laughs> was their last bargain? Who was their last bargain transfer? Well, this is my point. I think the reality is 
You know, Tottenham with the managers, managerial appointments that they made with Mourinho and, and Conte, you know, they've essentially bought themselves a Ferrari because they've had that much money. You can get a Ferrari, but they can't afford to insure it because, you know what I mean? They haven't got that little bit extra to give. I always think of, I think it was Paul Barber at Brighton yeah. talking about, um, you know, they, they got a lot of praise for what they've done since they've been in the Premier League. This was maybe 18 months ago I heard him talking. And he was talking about, you know, how have you run the football club to this point? How do you do it? And he basically said, every single position, we've got a list of players mm. that if our current first team player in that position were to be bought, we have a list of players that we think this player is suitable for our style of football, number one. But also, it's very much about what level they're at in their career. How excited would they be to come to Brighton? Mm. You know, would this be a step up for them? How much would they want to? be on the pitch and prove to the world you know in a Brighton shirt that they've got something to offer a bigger club than us and the same thing for a manager so we look at managers who would think wow going to Brighton is a big step up for us we're not going to go and look for a manager who thinks being at Brighton is beneath them doing them a favour it's doing them a favour and that is what Tottenham have done with a couple of managers who are like well I've done bigger things than be at Tottenham. It's I've like, won it's like the things. surroundings and the environment, everything fitted. That's kind of almost tempted yeah. them to say, oh, this is a club that could make this next step, but they're not. Doing Think it. of it. Like the wages it. that Brian, they have a, obviously have a structure yeah. within their football club that it's reasonable. It doesn't put the club in debt. They've got genius in an owner in Tony Bloom. Uh, this club functions brilliantly well. Joel Veltman. 800,000 yeah, from Ajax. Yeah. I watched him for four years or so at Ajax. You know, a really steady Eddie player, never let you down. He has been one of the most underrated players that I've seen in the Premier League for years. He does a solid 7 out of 10, and it goes back to how many players can you say at Spurs of all the buys have been successful, have been, wow, big this thumbs it. up. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you picked, you picked Veltman there. I mean, Spurs have signed uh, Jed Spence right back. And yes, Toro. So they spent close to, what, 50-odd, 60 million yeah, quid yeah. on two, two right backs, neither of which, one of which Conti very clearly said he didn't want. And then the next... If they were to play in a back four, I'm not sure he's really suitable. And then the other one is Emerson Royale, who's just not good enough. Yeah. So I, I think if you, I, I looked at some of their transfers this, this morning, like since since Paratici came in, since mm. Fabio Paratici came in, and I'd give, like, I think there was about sixteen. It's hard to kind of you know with loans and whatnot. Mm. Well, Bazuma's one from Brighton, isn't he? He's another one you're talking about. I, I think ben, I think Rodrigo Bentancur and Kulusevski yeah. are clear successes. Yeah. yeah. And beyond that, oh. I'm not sure. I still, think, I still think Romero could be with an arm round his shoulder, a bit of coaching, and a bit of kind of... But listen, I mean, if Antonio Conte, if Antonio I could, Conte I, I just an Italian manager with a defensive style, can't he bought a player from the Italian league mm. and he can't teach a centre-back not to dive in for challenges, well, I'm not sure many managers are going to be able to because, come on, it's rule number one. I mean, well, the other thing basics, to say about, absolute those, basics that he's not doing. The other thing to say about those two players is that Paratici brought them from his old club, Juventus. He knew them very well, so like it's not it's not like a, a, a leap of imagination there. Yeah. So uh, again, I will bring that back to that. Okay, can I just make one quick point because I think it adds on to what you're talking about with Brighton and everything. Bazuma is an absolute perfect example where he was shone for Brighton, did brilliant. They sell him, they get Casido to come in. He continues, and if not, does even better at an incredible young age. And Bazuma. Let's not perform anything like we know he can at Tottenham. Mm. It's like it's so obvious. This happens every time with Spurs. But, but listen, Alison Rudd, our very own, has written a piece in the Times. Make sure you read it. How confused Spurs culture eats managers for breakfast. 
And I, I honestly feel it harks back to what I said on the podcast recently about like the identity of Spurs. So you bring in players. Brighton are bringing in players mm. to fit the style of football that they've got there. So it's no wonder that they're all playing well. They bring in a manager, Deserby, none of us saw it coming, who picks up immediately in terms of his style on what Graham Potter does. If anything, it's Potter's style, but he's more aggressive. He goes for it a little bit more. He's taken the club a step further. And by the way, I'm not sure why Brighton became the prototype (laughs) for what Tottenham need to be, but we're just using it as an example. We could use Brentford. We could use, yeah, yeah, a number of clubs who say, right, we haven't got all the money in the world, but how do we, again, the competitive advantage, how do we make a difference? You know, all my mates today, we had a chat about it, saying we can't complain that Spurs haven't given Conte all the money in the world. We want sustainable football. And I said, well, hold on a minute. In my mind, Tottenham should be a club that has a formidable team that plays good football, that goes into a season with a credible chance of finishing in the top four. And if they end up in the Europa League, in my opinion, like any English club, you should be amongst the favourites to go and win a Europa League. You do not need for that, in my opinion, to spend Manchester City money. You don't need, you know, this idea that kind of you need to get have a fifty million pound player in every position. No, I, I, I truly don't think that's true. And by the way, they finished in the top four last season, and they've done it a number of times without spending that much money. But it's about the consistency of the quality of football behind it. You know, you go into a season, Spurs will have patches. Really, without Kane and Son, we're not looking at you know, and those two players probably in terms of how they performed over the last few seasons were above where Tottenham were as a mm. club and could easily have been playing at a higher level. I know Son's, like I say, having a bad season, but we know Kane could be playing for one of the biggest, most successful clubs in the world. It is a question for you then. So, ask why Son has had a bad season. I've always seen him play with a smile on his face. This year's been a season of frustration. Maybe that's Conte as well, because he clashes with lots of people. He'll clash with his own players. And, And I think that Son wouldn't be a problem in a dressing room. And yet he's played like he's an unhappy player this year. Can't put my finger on it, obviously. Don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But it's one way of looking at it. And we know Richarlison, obviously a new signing, hasn't performed, no no Premier League goals. You know, that would be a worry. And again, the Tottenham squad, for me, is not bad. It's not terrible. It's obviously in the top four of the Premier League right now, which is still a bit of a surprise because we've seen them play pretty badly at times. But... um, I do think if Tottenham want to take a step forward... Hugh, they got the England number nine, the all-time record goal scorer. They're going to finish... Uh, you know, you, you can't have someone the stature of Kane and be mid-table. You, no, know, you know you're guaranteed 20, 30 Premier League goals. No, no but I'm not saying, all I'm saying is if this club had more of an identity, mm. and maybe that okay. goes back to what Spurs were before, I think all of these players perform better. Yeah. Okay. Like I just, I just don't see them. I think they've changed managers, and to do so, they've they've gone for winning trophies. They've gone for at all costs. Bringing a Mourinho doesn't fit our fans. Used to be a Chelsea manager, doesn't play free flowing football, but he might win us a trophy. And we'll forget the fact that his personality just doesn't fit with our group of players. Mm. Doesn't fit with our football club. They did. They brought in an de- incredibly defensive manager in Nuno Espirito Santo, which made no sense to a lot of people. And now they've brought in Antonio Conte, again, an abrasive manager with a defensive style, all in the hope of winning a trophy. It's like other clubs would not go against what they want their football club to be. Managers come and go, players come and go. You need that underlying. Like there are so many times where even, you know, as a Manchester United fan, they were doing well under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, for example, and they finished second in the league. And people were like, well, we're a counter-attack team. 
That's not Man United. We need to dominate teams. We're mm. not going to win the Champions League. We're not going to win the Premier League unless we do that. And others were going, but he came second. Man United fans were going, but that's not our... And when we were linked with Conte, a lot of Manchester United fans were saying, well, he doesn't fit our, our culture in terms of his character. Loads of Man United fans hate Jose Mourinho for the same reason. Personality. It's like, I, I get it. We can have arguments about football. We can debate, you know, within all of that. I'm not saying those opinions are necessarily right. But what I'm saying is those fans had an idea in their mind over what their football club is, its identity, its culture. And Tottenham fans, who were in love with the club under Pochettino, because they felt they had that football and they felt they had a manager who loved them, they've lost all of that in the space of three years, three and a bit years. For me, that's on Le- that is more on Levy than the, the yeah. failures in terms of the transfer. The guy that sacked Jose Mourinho the week before the Lily Cup final. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that in itself is the most bonkers decision, I think. And I could think, say, owner, he's not the owner, but, you know, he's, he's certainly the, the, the lead man at Spurs who makes all the big decisions. I mean, like, you're, like you're referencing, that Spurs were once the team that you that, that you pointed at and looked and said, you know, their recruitment policy is about buying young poten- you know, players with potential, yeah. and it brought them to a certain point. All the time in the background, the stadium, new stadium was being built at a huge cost. So taking this next step, or the desire to take what they feel is the next step, has been a failure, mm. a massive failure. And so they now need to reassess whether that's a step that they can yeah. afford to take. Because is it, they- ti- is it time to restart, basically? <laughs> Okay. It's, well, a time, think it's a time about, to decide. Think it's a about time this. to decide. They could, they could, they could continue plowing money in, but they need to do it better. But it's not easy. We just we keep referencing these clubs, but we're referencing them and they're rare. Like it's yeah. not everyone has the data that Brent, Brentford and, and uh, Brighton do clearly, and, and kind of not many clubs do do this very successfully. So that so that's the first thing to say. But they need to decide how they're going to do it. They need to decide whether they go back to something similar. To what the you know, there's still signs that Levy kind of has that instinctively within him. He wants to buy assets that are going to appreciate in value, like Jed Spence. Mm. He's saying, "No, I think we should still have the odd player like that." So you can combine it, but they need to do it better ultimately mm. because it, every decision since Pochettino left, I think every major decision has been a failure. And if you think of decision making, which I sometimes I laugh because I think it's extraordinary how Tottenham have done some stuff and it's. How did Deli Ali fall off a cliff? Now you could say, well, that's down to him and his personal life. How was he allowed to get in that position? How did Harry Winks leave the football club? How did Davison Sanchez not improve as a centre half? You know, all his years there, I never saw an improvement in Davison Sanchez. They spent forty million pound on a young potential centre half, and it's like a common theme, Groundhog Day, all the time on loads of different positions in the team. There's an interesting thing about, you know, I I know I mentioned the restart a few moments ago. There are a number of players on loan from Spurs at the moment who could, who could, in my opinion, strengthen this squad. Brian Hill, again, he's a player we saw flashes off one or two games and suddenly you're like, well, he's a player that probably should have been involved. Under a a different manager, you would imagine, might like, might flourish. And Don Belay, for me, I've been highly critical of him. He has got something clearly as a footballer but in the Premier League for me doesn't click in terms of his work rate in particular they brought this brilliant young fullback Destiny Udoji and just immediately put him back out on loan so maybe they thought he wasn't going to play left wing back could have been good could you know give him an opportunity the Celso's out on loan Regulon's out on loan at the moment Jed Spence um, not involved much Harry Winks as well Jed Spence obviously out in France at the moment all of these players could be helping the squad, in my opinion, at the moment. In yeah. different, listen, not in terms of 
when I say helping the squad, what I mean is in terms of the bench. Yeah. You know, again, and I say all, not all. Some of those players could certainly help the quality of the squad overall. So when you have those players who go through a bit of a patch, particularly the front three, Lucas Moore is out. You know, Brian Hill should be involved at this point in time. He just should, not because I think he's a brilliant player who's going to start scoring every week, but because you'll get into the point where you've got no bodies. I mean, he's better than no one, or at least he should be. Lacelso, maybe, again, he's had his opportunity, but I just don't, I just, those players, a lot of them are either going to be failures because they've recently been bought and not given an opportunity, or they already are failures, plus the ones still in the Tottenham squad. That's not on Levy, in my opinion. I don't think we expect him to choose players. That's on... Paratici and who went before him in my opinion and that's why I think this clambering for Poch is a bit odd because I think they bought a lot of failures in terms of signings when he was the manager as well so uh, you know speaking of Mauricio Pochettino a lot of people think he should be the next permanent manager Julian Nagelsmann's just left Bayern Munich he's been spoken about generally I think the decision you mentioned it Gregor to put Christian Stellini in until the end of the season is a massive one in itself um, because Really, it puts your top four hopes up in the air. It's funny. I, I I can see it from both sides. I see, like as I say, he has no experience as a number one. You, you would imagine he'll probably employ pretty much the same tactics that Conte has, which the fans <laughs> the fans haven't quite haven't exactly enjoyed. But when your alternative as a kind of continuity or the the fill in is Ryan Mason, I think it's a good choice. Well, I'm not. No, you can make no, an immediate appointment. Lewis Enrique is available. Nagelsmann's available. Well, it might be worth. I mean, Nagelsmann's is interesting, yeah. but it might be worth taking some stock and 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 getting through to the summer. I, I don't think it's the worst decision. Like we saw, decent performances, a bit of an uplift when he stepped in when Conte was ill. I think it's. I think it it could could be an okay decision. I think they go. You got to go Maverick. You got to go really show for the first time that you're <clears> actually thinking outside the box on an appointment because. They only have to look out their, at their neighbours and see what they did when they got Arteta in. And yes, they suffered, but you you made a call that you believed in a guy that one day would turn the fortunes round of a football club. Tottenham is in a, a malaise that I don't see any way of getting out of at the moment unless they... We talked about fourth place there. Who would have expected Chelsea and Liverpool to have the seasons they've yeah, had? Yeah. You know, in some ways, it's a bit of a default position because they're fourth. You know, Newcastle could snatch it off them. Their season hasn't been good and it's had some incredible lows and we might go, oh, well, they beat Man City, you know, terrific on that. There's very few highs uh, was during this season and I think the club have to be really brave on the type of appointment they make and think outside the box, not just, you know, Nagelsmann. When you said Luis Enrique, I'm like, did yeah, you watch either. Spain? Me and you, we suffered Spain in the World Cup together. I still Hugh. think he's a good coach, though. Well, he may be, but unless he's going to change the way he wants to play football, they wanted to pay a million. They thought a million passes was a goal because they never <laughs> ever tried to play in an adventurous way. It was a, for a Barcelona ex-player. It didn't resemble anything of what Barcelona did. Mm. So that's why I've been well. Unless he's had a complete change of heart and the way he wants to play football, I don't. I wouldn't see that because all I saw was a team that just passed the ball out the back to everybody. Everyone had a touch before that to score a goal. Deserbi will be linked clearly, yeah. And I think Postecoglou at Celtic will be linked to every Premier League job now. Really, I think he's done a great job. So yeah, there's some interesting yeah. possibilities there, but there's a question about whether they'd come. Nah, it's a huge job. It's a huge job. It's a yeah. huge job, but you see the you see what. Difficulties that are involved with it as well. So it's Gregor, Gregor. 
what would De Zerbi get him? What would you think his roundabout ballpark figure of wages would be? I don't, I'm not that game, <laughs> we, if we go, okay, let's go a little bit. If we go five million. Well, Conte's been paid 15 a season. You know, if De Zerbi was offered the job, he's certainly going to go there. And there'll be, you talk about other managers, that their, their wages would be trebled, quadrupled. They would probably go. I, I... Every manager thinks they're going to do a good job as well. Mm. Remember that, you know, and, and I think, you know, his wages would be probably at least times five what <laughs> they are at Brighton at the moment. Okay, so uh, not to mention, listen, if you do a bad job and you get sacked, you're going to get you're going to get quite a lump sum to leave. The He's club lost as well. his job about five or six times already, hasn't he? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, people fail and I'm, I'm all I'm up for. If you fail, you get given other opportunities because you have to experience not, failure of something. Uh, managers know as well now, don't they? Look, you, you go through a bad 10 game spell and you can yeah, lose you your job. Yeah. So you've got to take the opportunities when they're there, I think. But it would it would it would surprise me if Tottenham had the forethought to appoint a manager like Deserby, honestly. And would the people then to, to spend I'm, the money it would, it would exactly. cost to get them out? I did a piece probably three weeks ago, four months ago, and I said there's one outstanding candidate, and for me it was Vincent Company, because how he managed a club that was literally on the floor changed a style of play that was extraordinary what they were and what they've become and people could go well you know make it he was part of an incredible winning winning mentality at Manchester City the same as Arteta was I would if I was a Tottenham fan he would excite me because it's something so maverick and so different and he's a leader one thing Vincent Company's always shown not only on the field but off it he's shown his ability to be a leader make big calls do you know years ago, I said this before, you know like Stoke used to be on a Tuesday night? When we in the <laughs> 80s, when I first started playing football, it was Burnley on a Tuesday night. <laughs> it was never Stoke. It was Burnley. So he's gone to this unfashionable club, you know, in Lancashire, and yeah. completely... You speak to any Burnley fan about the way they play. And yes, they lost 6-0 in the FA Cup. It's irrelevant. He's done an amazing job at that football club that I think someone like Tottenham should be thinking about. Yes, it's, it's a valid show. It's a big step up from yeah. from the championship to a club that's trying to be in the top four and challenge for silverware. But I, I, I kind of agree. I like some imagination is no bad thing when you've gone when your when your past three managers have been Jose Mourinho, yeah. Nuno, which was uh, yeah. incredible, and and Conte. Former Spurs midfielder Michael Carrick doing pretty well in the championship as well with Middlesbrough, yeah. playing a great, great style of football. We'll see. We'll see. Um, t- just two final questions on Spurs. Firstly, whether you think they will finish in the top four, given how the season's gone. I know you said who might catch them, but genuinely, from here on out, how do you think they will do? But also, we're going to talk about him in a moment. Harry Kane is this definitely now? If he were if he were to to be here, he'd probably share. I think the opinions that we have about Tottenham. Obviously, he knows them more intricately. But ultimately, there have been big failures in this football club. Will this mean that he wants to leave this summer? Got one year left on his deal. I just think it's an inevitable that his loyalty is unquestioned about what he's did at Spurs and how long he stayed. I mean, he looks at his club now. What does he think? You know, he's the leading all-time goal scorer of England he comes back and he's thinking we've now got a temporary manager to the end of the season you know where is this club going and and to me I, I think Harry's got to make a brave call and and that call is leaving the club that he's given everything for I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to go but there's a, there's a different question about how Spurs 
are willing to let him go. There was a, Gary mm. Jacob wrote a piece last week, I think it was, saying that they want £100 million up front, so they're not installments either. And not many clubs are going to do that for someone who's... Will he be 30 then? Well, he's 29 30, now, yeah. yeah. With one year left on the going Do you know it's going to be... So I think the hardest bit will be Spurs. how Spurs allow him to leave if he mm. wants to leave, and it might be that he has to run down his contract. This, it, is, this, this is why I think they, they need to get round the table all of the key stakeholders and decide... You know, is this restart time? Where are we as a football club? Let's get the maximum that we can for Kane. Reinvest it. You know, let's let's start again, basically, and, and get that message to the fans and say, look, we expect to be a top six team. Definitely, what we're going for. We're not here saying we're going to be a mid-table team, but in terms of our, like I've said previously, in terms of our academy, in terms of every team at our football club, we're going to make a decision on how we want to play. We're going to get in the coaches that we think are appropriate. We're going to get in the players that we think are appropriate, and that process may take two or three years. I think it'll be another divorce case. It'll be another one where I feel Phil Kane will end up falling out with Daniel Levy, Daniel Levy because he'll end up doing it, like I said at the very start, like an accountant. There'll be no sentiment in any shape or form towards Harry Kane and what he's achieved it will be cut and dry we get the most we can and I think Kane will eventually I think it'll be a fallout between them yeah it will be I I mean I expect if they don't if they they put something that is kind of ridiculous on him he will with one year left I think forgo any kind of loyalty bonuses left and put in a transfer request and be very public about it and I think once the Tottenham fans will back him I think they will back him and in that point I think Daniel Levy will be left in a very difficult position yeah I totally agree Okay, let's talk about Harry Kane, what he's doing in the England shirt next, um, because since we last spoke, he's become a record breaker on the international stage. England's all-time record goal scorer. He scored a penalty at Declan Rice, the other goal in the game, as England beat Italy 2-1 in Naples. Winning away against Italy for the first time since 1961. They got their Euro 2024 qualifying campaign off to a winning start. They then backed that up yesterday with a 2-0 win over Ukraine at Wembley. Kane adding a 55th goal for his country to move two ahead of Wayne Rooney. Tony, what is the size of that achievement from Harry Kane? (laughs) It's extraordinary for a player that was deemed not good enough at 18 and... Literally, Pochettino had to hang his hat on this player and say, this lad's going to make it. He's going to be good enough. And many Tottenham fans didn't think he would be. I, do you know what I love about Harry Kane? Is that his willingness to improve and be a great pro in every aspect of his career. It just it feels like he's just wanted to get better and better, and whatever is happening on the outside, he's kept distance. Even like he's doing a bit now with the club, even though I know he's not the captain of the club, but he is a statesman for the club. He still keeps his distance, and some might be critical of that, saying he maybe he could push more pressure on Tottenham as a club. But his pressure has always been relieved by goals, desire, hunger, and being a so much more than just one player. You know, Jimmy Greaves, I was lucky enough to see the end of his his career. And Jimmy Greaves was quite a typical centre-forward of being quite selfish, getting goals and his numbers. Where I feel like Harry's been way more of a complete player, as in he will be selfless in his style, create. If there's a better option, he will try and feed the player that's in that better position. And it's pretty extraordinary because he's not blessed with great pace. You know, he's a strong runner, but he's not eye-catchingly quick mm. you know he's very good in the air and aggressive in the air but he's, t- he's finishing is always one touch when it's on but, but boy when he knows he needs to take a touch he will um, his decision making has been 
brilliant all his career. And I think you should always look at mentalities of players because I think there's times when you can think players are great and look at them and, and then suddenly you work with them. And I've worked with a few, and Gregor will probably say the same thing. You come away and you go, tell you what, he's got the fortitude of a what a mentality. And that will be his success. And I think Harry ticks all of them boxes. Uh, yeah, I think he's a lesson for a lot of players, Harry Kane, because we saw the loans that he had at a number of clubs and it wasn't, mm. didn't look like it was getting going. Norwich, Leicester, Leighton Orient, Millwall, you know, this is a young player who'd been out and ultimately when you looked at his game, he took a, say you looked at it two or three seasons after he first got into the Tottenham team, you were like, the difference the work rate that must have gone in. I remember the quality and his shooting on his left foot, the technique, free kicks. You know, you looked at it and went, well, this kid has worked on everything. I think for some players, a bit like Dimitar Berbatov, Harry Kane was never blessed with that sixth or seventh gear in terms of speed, which meant he always took an extra second to think about the situation, which actually I think helped the decision-making. Now, Berbatov was a genius at times as well, but I think had he just, if he could have just run away from players, he would. The point is he couldn't, so he had to do something different. And um, Harry Kane, just that extra second, that moment to think, you know, is the thing that I think has taken him into that extra class of player. He's superb and... Yeah, I think it comes down to work, right? It is it was all around game though. I've watched that first half in particular and some of his hold up play, some of the way you know, the way that they kind of positions his body to get in between the defender and ball and kind of turns in all in one movement. There was a break in the first half where I think it was involving Grealish and and can't remember who the other player was. And it was like everything was on the very outer margins of what was possible, what they were capable of. Like, you know, stretching to bring it under control, but his touch was perfect. Playing the pass into into Grealish like into his path was perfect it was always like the the margins were so mm. fine and and he's it's his, it's, it's his kind of his, as I say I think it's his all around game that's most impressive the goals are like extraordinary but I watch games and I, there are moments moments where I, I kind of go he's incredible yeah. and it's not it's not actually usually his finish no. like that's become, that's become kind of you know you take it for granted now yeah. it's the things he does in the build up play like in fact in the Ukraine game when he got the ball he switched out like that was mm. just like an amazing piece of number ten play, and then he was in the in the box to finish it. But the bit before was the bit that I went, "Wow!" Yeah. And that's what makes him. When you look around European football, world football, like Lewandowski at his peak, yeah. you think they're similar. There's someone who's maybe got a little bit more explosive power and stuff. But beyond that, as an all-round front yeah. man, yeah. there's no one. Benzema close. and you know, I don't I think just, so. They're different. They're different. Yeah, yeah they're, they're different, but they have the the qualities of. Well, certainly, remember Benzema. I saw a seventeen-year-old at Leon, and remember thinking, "No chance." I didn't think he would make it because he had so much rawness about his game, and he he was a bit he, he was a bit of a party animal off the field. But the point I wanted to make is: think of great teenagers. We knew we we're going to make it. We knew Wayne Rooney was going to make it as a star at seventeen. We knew Ryan Giggs would have made it as a star as a kid. Then you can think of someone like Joe Cole, Ronaldo, Lionel Messi. We all knew these were going to be yeah. incredible players. No one could say that. No one could say about Harry Kane. I knew at 17, 18 he was going to be a oh, great player. I, I tweeted, for some reason I still got a stick for this, but <laughs> I congratulated Harry Kane on Twitter, but I quote tweeted a tweet that I made as he came on for his debut, where I said, here he comes, the new Francis Jeffers, 
Remember this day. <laughs> <laughs> Remember this day. It will be a quiz question in the future, right? And obviously, he scored 79 seconds into his debut. So it was literally just after I pressed send on that tweet. But again, I didn't see it coming. And everyone was, yeah. you know, I kind of got stick for it as if I was meant to be able to see into the future. You know, <laughs> Francis Jeffers was a pretty highly rated kid as well. That's all yeah. I'm going to say, you know. But it, but look, I think that for me personally, just underlines that, you know, I didn't see a lot as a youngster from Harry Well, that's Kane. what makes it so great, Hugh. Yeah, that, yeah I, that, I agree. We all would have said the same thing. I saw him at Millwall. I watched him as a kid there. If you'd have said to me, that lad there is going to be the all-time goal scorer of England, and I would have gone and put him in the <laughs> asylum, that guy. The thing is, I love it. I love Gareth Bale's story as well, because I just think that, you know, there's a lot of a lot of us, you know, we gravitate towards an incredible 16, 17, 18-year-old player who's come through... And we, we think about, you know, and I'll talk about him in a second, the likes of Wayne Rooney. You know, we see these yeah. players, we talk about Pedri now, and we think, oh, he's going to be like Xavi, he's going to be like Iniesta, got this huge future. And it's the, you know, there's players at 21, 22, 23 have transformed their careers and not just gone from mm. being a player who was on the fringe of a squad to being a solid, you know, every week, 7 out of 10 player. That's, for me, that's still making a great leap. But the fact that you can go from being... A player who's not really in the squad, on the fringes, not really knowing where your career's going to go. You're going to end up in a League One team, you know, to being the greatest goal scorer for England ever or a five-time Champions League winner that people are saying, is he the greatest British player of all time? In the case of Gareth Bale, mm. that is remarkable. No player should give up on, mm. on, on doing that. You just got to get out on the training pitch, give it absolutely everything and never, you know, Never let your head drop if you like, because you know there are stories that prove that you can do it too. So I think Harry Kane illustrates that for me. Um, some people were talking about him being England's greatest ever player. I'm speaking to a Scot and a former Republic of Ireland international, <laughs> but does he fit into that craft category? Well, it's not finished business, is it, mm. Q? You know, if he was to go on and get 85, 90, maybe even 100 goals and win Premier League or win the Champions League and add all this into the equation, you could easily make that argument with Harry. For me, he has got the one asset that doesn't affect him is what affected Michael Owen and quick forwards. He doesn't have the pace to worry about getting to 33, 34, and that's his biggest attribute. He's He's got all other stuff that makes him play to a later age, you know, and that, to me, is a big thing that is in Harry's favour. Because there's many strikers who rely and they get to 29, 30 and they lose half a yard or yard. That's their career richly going on the downward spiral. It's, How in, it's interesting because, you know, Rain Rooney was coming towards the end of his talent at this age now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is because of, and I know it's, it's a weird thing to say, but Rooney was in the team when he was 16 years old and Kane took a while into his 20s to be a yeah. established first team player. And that will, look, I think, give him more lo- longevity as well. Sometimes it's your kind of building stuff as well. I yeah. mean, like Rooney was a like a Junk. bulldog, wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kane, Kane, you know, Kane like, again. Harking back to his early days, you know, see pictures of him looking like he's got a bit of puffy fat and whatnot. And now, mm-hmm. and now he's clearly worked so hard as well about being the best athlete he can possibly be. He's not, you know, he's also had a a few pretty serious injuries, ankle injuries and whatnot, mm-hmm. and he seems to have found a way to to stay fit. So whether he's going to be the best. I mean, in my lifetime, like you think about Alan Shearer, and I think he offers more, more all round than Alan Shearer did. Alan Shearer was more explosive in his finishing, maybe, but yeah, a like, bit more dynamic. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, but I mean, he's got more goals, and he's and he's he's. I think he's going to have just as much longevity. So he absolutely is in that conversation. Well, I think it's amazing from Kane. 
went on to score again against Ukraine. So let's quickly talk about England's start to qualify and two wins out of two. Sensational, really. I mean, the start to the game against Italy, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, there were a little bit of wobbles in the second half, but I think they, they you know, England are a very solid team. They showed that. They started with two holding midfielders. I guess that was the big tactical surprise, if you like, that both Calvin Phillips, who hasn't played much football, and Declan Rice started. Rice was fantastic. Bakayu Saka was great in both matches. Ukraine, he was absolutely fantastic. Scored a, a brilliant goal after Kane had, had scored the opener. But I think you'd have to say it couldn't have gone much better in terms of the start of, of England's campaign. I think in that first half an hour against Italy was like up there with the best England performances I've seen. They were, I thought they were outstanding. Mm. Under Southgate, they were really dynamic. They were in, in Italy's face. They, and Italy actually were pressing like England with some, some real intensity as well. And they managed to play play around them, play through them quite well. So it was both sides of the game I was impressed with. Bellingham is just like a force of nature. Yeah. There's moments, little moments again, like, again, when you're watching the game and just kind of you go, wow, mm. like, it sounds like nothing, but he, you know, he's closing someone down and he doesn't quite make it before they play the pass off. He just shoves them in the back. <laughs> it's like, just leaves a bit on them. This 19 year old kid just like, mm. have that, like, he, he just, he's so all action and so kind of, in your face, he's brilliant. When he was driving forward from midfield, I was like, oh my God, I love this. Yeah. I love this because everyone's just going, who's he going to pass to? He's got options in front of him. And the big thing is, he, he kind of he's kind of going, if I want to dribble past you and blast through this as well, I could do that too. There was a time where he just had a shot, forced to save early on. And I thought, one of our other midfielders probably checks back, looks for the short pass. He just thought, 30 yards, I've had a bit of a run up to it, I'll smash it. You know, and it was just like, there's a bit of a freedom there, but there's also the kind of arrogance and aggression that goes aggression, with it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I kind of love that. Mm. Gotta love that. I love watching you, it. You felt watching the game, obviously watching the Ukraine game. I, I felt that the Henderson, Bellingham, Rice had huge presence, great ability to win the ball back, and when they drove forward, they all felt like they were comfortable with each other. The three of them, and I mean Bellingham's, uh, like you said, a bit of a force on nature, and an amazing mentality. You can see that. Anyone who goes to Borussia Dortmund or Germany at 17, where you're very... I talked about this over the weekend, about going to a foreign dressing room and you can't speak the lingo and you arrive and you're just there. You feel vulnerable. He's gone there as a 17-year-old kid. I went to Marseille at 31, okay, and felt that. I remember thinking, you're not quite sure what's being said. You know, training's a bit tricky. You're trying to get an understanding. Okay, most people can speak. In my time, a number of players could speak a certain amount of English that I could have a conversation with. Um, but he's gone to Germany and has grown. We we just spoke the first section of about Tottenham about how many players have not grown at a football club. And there he has at Dortmund, and whoever gets him in his next move at 19 or whatever happens this summer is going to get a player with amazing mentality. Apart from all his ability, I think you can look at him and think, there's never a 100% guarantee on a transfer, but he looks like, to me, as good as any. I, I loved his interview with Channel 4 after the game when they asked him about the future England captaincy. And he kind of went... He didn't say it explicitly, but it was like, well, yeah, I will be England captain one day. So <laughs> in the meantime, I'm just sort of learning whatever I can, picking stuff up. And he spoke about the sort of captain and vice-captain and went, and the few lads beneath that. And it was like, once I've kind of... <laughs> once I've blasted them out of the way... <laughs> You know. I love that in the World Cup too when he said about when Henderson Henderson scored and he's like he came out after he's like people need to put more respect on his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you know that's he's not you know he's he's pretty 
he's pretty remarkable. Like the England again, I just come away from watching these two games thinking England they're, they're the same things we said before the World Cup. They are, although it's gone on a notch because of Saka mm-hmm. and because of Bellingham, like it's continued sort of growth. They are in the conversation for any major tournament now. Yeah, absolutely, without doubt. The only question is. Who plays along John Sto- alongside John Stones? Yeah, at the back. I, I, I think the, you're, you're the mistake right. for like I did a little bit analysis for a piece on Saturday about I think in the last seven. This was before the Ukraine game. In, in the last seven games, England they conceded eight goals, and Harry Maguire had basically been culpable for half of them. And again, it's it, his problem is like people make mistakes. Like he came mm. out the. Out, He's got to carry the ball out of yeah. uh, defence. The passing lane was was kind of closed off to Jack Grealish. The pass was never on. He tried to play it anyway. People make mistakes. It's what he does after he makes a mistake now because his mindset is not right. He's not yeah. confident. Yeah. He panics and he, he lunges in. It's like it brought to mind the the red card he got against Denmark in 2020 where he took a big heavy touch yeah. and that was just after all the stuff had gone on in Greece. And he got a second yellow card within half an hour and he was yeah. off. It's like... He makes a mistake and he, he's not got the composure to just get back in and, and make sure that he's on front. And so he left that wide open goal. Look, other, other than that, he did okay and he was fine. Yeah. But these are the moments, these are the little fine margins. You'll think mm. of the Giroud header for France. Like I did, I, You were I, out of the World I, Cup because of that. I didn't like his answer when he was, you know, he was basically I've asked about, yeah. I've got nothing to prove at this level. I've, I've got over 50 caps. Well, you've caps. always got something to prove. That's my point. He goes, I've got over 50 caps. I've capped in Manchester United for the last few years. And I thought, that that's a real lack of self-awareness. You know, mm. we all can see, that, and you should be aware, you haven't played that well. We're not saying that you need to prove if you were ever able of, of playing at this level, you once were. The point is, are you still able to do it? Which means you do need to prove yourself because we're not seeing you play club football. We're not seeing you do anything special in that arena. You know, a lot of people are even saying, why is he in the squad? So the idea that you think you don't have to prove you, you, yourself at the level, I find that that kind of a la- that la- lack of self-awareness to be a negative. Because actually he should be saying, look, great. To You're, you can be 37, Hugh, and you're still having to prove yourself. Because at that age, people say you're on the road, slippery road, and your career is ending. You're still Luka Modric would have had that question thrown at him, and he's never had anything. To Ronaldo, prove. Cristiano Ronaldo scored yes. twice the other night, and a lot of people in Portugal were saying it's time to move on after the World Cup. Yeah. He should retire from international football. You know, he's still got to prove to those people that exactly. he deserves to be out there while he's playing in Saudi Arabia and he's not playing in a major European team. You know, so I, I, I kind of found that lack of self awareness there. I just think, look. If he's at his best, he probably still makes England's best eleven. Particularly what he's done in an England shirt. But is he at his best at the moment? Well, as a young lad, when you're coming through, you've you've got to prove to be good enough to be in the first team. And then when you're at the end of your career, you've got to be prove you're good enough to still be in that team. You know, and you you can't you can't have more than two bad games really when you get to thirty five, thirty six, thirty seven. Now, I I think Harry got that wrong. I think you're spot on about. You know, sport in general, you're always, whether you're a tennis player, whether you're a golfer, footballer, you're always having to prove you're still good enough. He's, yeah, I mean, like, we're talking about very fine margins and he's been part yeah. of, he's been uh, one of Southgate's, you know, most reliable performers in three major tournaments. So he's, it, it, to some extent, you know, he has a good body of evidence to suggest that he, he deserves to still have his have a chance to be in this England team despite what's going on. But he's, But yeah, that was the wrong kind of tone to strike. And as I say... When you look back at the at the goals I've conceded recently, a lot of them have kind of the, uh, the Iran goal as well is another one I cited where 
the first they were four 0 up. I mean, it, people never really hi- highlighted it much because they were four 0 up. But he stepped out and and yeah. Teremi ran ran in behind him. It was a great little through ball through Declan Rice's legs, but it was another one where he kind of like it was there was no composure there. It was not as he often steps out, in fact, to leave a space in behind. That's mm. his, his. It's like there's. It's his he Achilles' ca- heel. He needs to calm. He needs to be calmer in, in those kind of moments, those clutch moments. And so glad. I'm so glad I'm not in this era. Are you, Gregor? Where they can, you can literally <laughs> every mistake you do oh, is highlighted, scrutinised. Is... I love planning my era. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of players I wanted to talk to you about in an attacking sense for England very quickly. As I mentioned earlier, Bakayo Saka impressing over the two games. Is he England's key player at the moment? If you was to say from the Premier League who is the most valuable player, would you say Saka? To their individual but, uh, team? Uh, or well, just uh, as a you... transfer fee, what would you price Saka in? Now, you might go, well, Haaland will probably be the number one spot in world football yeah. because of his age as well. But I'll tell you what, you and I have to go some because I've seen a level of consistency in Saka. I've seen clubs actually adopt the attitude of doubling up on him. And it's not as if he had a, a right back that keeps overlapping him. You know, Carl, Carl Walker was as pra- conservative as he's ever been as a fullback at the weekend against Ukraine. But he doesn't he hasn't got fullbacks overlapping him all the time. He ends up going inside, he goes outside, and I think it's a testament to how good and how consistent he's he, been. He's combined really well with Ben White actually throughout the season for Arsenal at club mm. level, but you're absolutely right. Like he doesn't often need that because you give him the ball. Arsenal often create you know, find ways of getting him and Martinelli on the ball by almost like dragging other people out of position. You know, threatening the space mm. in between the fullback and the centre half so that it creates space for him. Why? So they find really good ways of getting him one one. But when he gets one v one, he teases, he taunts defenders, he takes the touch, touch, and he cuts back, and then he cuts back down the line again. It's like he constantly manipulates them, and then he opens a yard, and he's always on the money with his delivery. Like this cross for Kane was just yeah. superb. Like the defender. Yeah, oh, horrible, horrible yeah. defending that. You can't. Yeah. You're trying to help help on without sticking. Do you know in your what own that net. ball's called? That ball. It's the Glenn Hoddle ball. Okay. Well, the one where the defender <laughs> thinks he's going to ready it away, and then realise, oh, can't. I cut this <laughs> over my head. He does that type of ball. Yeah. Which we used to call the Glenn Hoddle ball because he'd done that regularly in training. He used to annoy the hell out of everybody. But it's... And, <laughs> <laughs> and his finish was just sublime. Yeah, just you know, that effortless way where he can. I tell it into you the what, corner. watch the goal again. It's not just the finish. He controls the ball, but as he does it, he moves his body in a way that he totally bamboozles the defender yeah. because he looks like he's going to have a touch, maybe two mm. yards to the left-hand side and allows it to drift across to his other foot, has the touch and, and moves away and able to create the space to whip it in. Fantastic goal. By the way, he hasn't signed his new deal yet, Saka. His contract's up at the end of the season. He'll stay at Arsenal. Yes. But if his agent doesn't get him at least three hundred and fifty grand a week, I'm not. Mesut even, Ozil's coach contract. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, he should be sacked on the spot because <laughs> you, he is the future of that football club, and he's playing as well as anyone else in the league pretty much right now. He deserves it. I'm just going to put it out there, right? Talk it into. Are you his agent? Speak it into existence. <laughs> I'm not his agent, but it's part of me that thinks. I'd like to be. <laughs> no, no, no. It's part of me that thinks. Why are we staying? Why are you staying at Arsenal? Now Arsenal are playing. Oh, gr- don't do hold that on a minute. Hold on a minute. No, I'm saying there's loads of good reasons to stay at Arsenal. Well, there are loads of good reasons to stay at Arsenal. They're about to win the Premier League. If you win the Premier League, 
what more are you going to achieve no, in an Arsenal yes. shirt? I'm just, I'm just. No, no, no. Like you've I missed said, a. Ma- this is an important point here. This is what you've just missed. You've got to be very careful as a player. You're playing the best football under a guy that gives you, you know, has, has improved you. Do you want to stay with a guy that keeps improving you, or would you go? I'll take the money elsewhere. Go for this big move, and suddenly my football's not as good. Go yeah, stay with a guy that keeps improving you. Yeah, but if, it, if, it's, if it's Guardiola and City, that's I'm... part of his joy too. He looks so happy on the pitch. And the oh, next, listen, next person I'm going to guess you're going to talk about is James Madison. Yeah. And he looked very happy on the pitch. He looked yeah. comfortable. He looked like he belonged to that level. Smile on his face, as Paul Joyce referenced in his piece about him today, which is really good. It kind of was a moment where he hugged the goalkeeper, the opposite goalkeeper. It was like when someone just went, he was like, ah, you know, he looked. Oh. He looked like he belonged yeah, to that level. Yeah. And I know it wasn't the most testing opposition that he would mm. face, but he, there were some little moments, the little Cruyff in the second half, where he kind of yeah. completely bamboozled the midfielder and he, he, his shot was over the bar. I'll, I'll talk about Madison in a sec, just to say on Saka, just final line on it, I'm not saying he should leave Arsenal, but they should they should pay him what he wants. Not ridiculous money, 350 a week is the bracket that I think he... He's going to be a front runner at Arsenal for years to come, so he deserves that. So it's all you know. You're telling me stay at the club that loves you and with the manager that's improving no, you. Stay at the club that allows you to play the best football you can play. That's an important point for a lot of young players. Still a job, Tony. Yeah, pay me what I'm worth. Show me the money. That's what I'm saying. You'll get loads of money. Don't worry about that. <laughs> don't ever think. That's one thing I say to young players all the time. Don't think too much about money. People will be frying money at you in football clubs. Okay, all right, James Madison. I think there's one football club that might be throwing a bit of money at him by the uh, end of the summer. But um, as you mentioned, I I think he looked great against Ukraine. What I found most interesting was, I think he's a unique player in the England squad and he adds a different dimension. Hmm. And I'd always thought of him maybe playing in the middle in in terms of the the three central midfielders, maybe as a number 10. But to see him there just popping up, kind of an inside left forward was quite interesting actually and he spoke afterwards about how Southgate kind of encourages him to do that and let him because that's more of his natural game he said I'm not an out and out winger I'm not Saka on the other side I'm not going to hug the touchline I'm not going to beat many players but actually that extra creative spark in that role a little bit more space for Chilwell to overlap as well changes very well obviously exactly changes the point of attack for England in a way that I'm like ooh is James Madison going to be a, a regular for England because it looked good the thing is like uh, clearly on this form and we can only I said this before we can only take it ever as a with England's the quality of England's attacking options you can only ever take it as a snapshot in time and at this moment Saka is nailed on Yeah. so there's now one place for all this plethora of talent like Foden Rashford and Madison Madison, included so it's going to be a moment in time and Madison like or people taking the chance when they're given it and I think he he certainly did himself no harm at all in that performance. I, I felt England were kind of... They, I looked at this and went, oh, could we be a bit like Liverpool under Klopp? Could England have a side that's more about... You know, you, you mentioned the stability of the midfield three mm. without a clear number 10, you know, like we go, oh, Mount or Foden has to be this creative player that gets in the box. We can have that stable three. We can allow the forwards, the front three, to go and do their thing helped by the fullbacks. A bit like Liverpool at their pomp. I'm not going to say we're going to guy and press and have that kind of rock and roll football. I'm not saying that. But where there's, you know, the, the solid core, if you like, is the centre-halves and the three midfielders. That's the block. And everyone else are the ones that gets to, get, get it's, to it's attack. It's a strange one because 
England were a little bit lopsided, as in, on the right side, Carl Walker didn't really attempt to go past Saka at all. But on the left side, Cook Chilwell was continually trying to get behind the fullback, overlapping. Yeah. But with that, James Madden showed the intelligence to go inside. He reminded me a bit of what Griezmann's done for France, where he's played on the left side at times. I know Mbappe's had majorly that role, but sometimes they go with Mbappe down the middle and Griezmann comes inside and plays in that big circle where he twists and turns. Madison was doing that. He wasn't hugging the touchline, didn't need to, because Chilwell was doing way more attacking down the left side. And I thought that's a big thing for Gareth to think about because... I'm not sure he'd, he'd get in front of Foden. I think Foden would be his best choice on the left side. But James Madison's done himself no harm at all because he'd come in and, like you said, big smile on his face, loved every minute. Now, will he be able to do that type of Griezmann role against the very elite? Because Ukraine were pretty defence-minded and they were looking to try and suffocate England for large parts of the game. That's going to be the big challenge for Madison. Can he do what Grisman's done in a lot in his career in big games, change and get a goal or create a goal? Um, because that was a big success for France. But the Grisman role, it changed. And he played many positions. But his role changed within the team. And I sort of think of Madison and think of Grisman. Can he do that? But well, Grisman done it the very The one time. thing you can, you've got, you can see without any doubt is he's got the personality to... Yeah. To not be overawed by this stage at all. You're like, you look, as I say, he looked like he enjoyed being there and he wants to be there more. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Let's quickly talk about some of the other nations. I'll, I'll quickly mention Wales because I thought it was an, a very important point. Nathan Broadhead equalizer right at the death away against Croatia. Won all there. Um, but Rob Page's side were hanging on at times, which I think made it, <laughs> I mean, for a lot of the time, but I think it made it uh, a very important point. It was one of those, wasn't it? If you don't take your chances, you might get stunned. Wow. That's exactly what happened to Croatia. Latvia next on Tuesday for Wales. So they have a great chance to make a really positive start to qualifying and life after Gareth Bale and a couple of others as well. I think it was just an important result for wow. for Wales not to start 
on a, on a big negative. I can't believe... I couldn't... That was the most um, surprising result of the weekend. I thought, good luck to them going to Croatia. You know, obviously a number of retirements within the Welsh squad. Got battered. <laughs> um, yeah. And Gregor would have... He could probably bring up... I could bring up one game I played. I played in Brighton away one year with Millwall <laughs> and we won 1-0. I don't know how we won 1-0. And you would have been part of that sort of performance, Gregor. Fair play to Wales. One thing you can say, the character of the team stood out and took the goal when it came. And big challenges for Wales. But, boy, you've got to make the most of it because that Croatian team is streetwise, so savvy, so experienced. You've 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 got a hell of a result. And then what counted against them at the World Cup counted against them in this game, which is they just don't put the ball in the back of the net enough, and they had the chances to do it. Yeah. And uh, well, Kramaric scored, but they, they haven't got the centre Kovacic, forward. What a chance! Yes. What a chance! Yeah. A volley six yard out, he skied it. Would have been a beautiful goal as well. Great move, but there were loads of chances yeah. for Croatia. They they have really missed more than any nation I could think. Leading nation of having it, they've got to World Cup finals, and you know, like we saw. Uh, this year in Qatar they they can be a really difficult team to play against yeah great point for Wales we'll see if they can back it up they'll probably lose to Latvia now after that but there you go <laughs> <Don't say that. laughs> Scotland 3 Cyprus nil. couple of goals from midfield maestro Scott McTominay in this one huge game tonight against Spain we'll be watching that closely as well the Spanish beat Norway by three goals to nil as well I watched that game out in uh, in an Irish pub, Murphy's, I think it was, <laughs> in, in Berlin. I enjoyed it very much. Uh, all the lads had a, a big bet on Scotland, so yeah, we all we all enjoyed it. But um, yeah, it, it, again, it's the start you expected. Obviously, heavy favourites at home home to Cyprus, but it's and it's something to take into that game against Spain, which is a big one. Yeah, I mean, well, look, it's you say it's expected. It's the first time we've started the uh, Euros qualifying campaign with a win since two thousand and six. And there was edgy moments in the second half, you know, until those those uh, the second and third goal came. So it was a kind of oh, Scotland were always really in control. It was never, it wasn't put to bed. It wasn't. It was, it was a typical Scotland. Yeah, win. Come unfortunately. On, mate. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, but the subs made a huge difference. Ryan Christie came on. And he had a lot of energy. McTominay obviously got the goals. Lyndon Dykes had played a big part in, in McTominay's uh, finish at the kind of the back stick. And I think Dykes is going to have to lead the line because Chi Adams is is injured, and that's him. I thought Dykes did well though. Dykes did well, and like he, like he's gonna, he'll make it hard for any opposition. I always say this: he's 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 had a hand in a lot of goals. Not often being the one who's finishing it, but he's he's had a hand in a lot of goals in a Scotland jersey, and he's a handful. And I think it might be that in fact that those three play. I think Ryan Christie off McTom off uh, Dykes is has been been a kind of partnership that's worked well in the past. I think McTominay might come in perhaps in place of Jack but it's going to be a big test it's going to be a big test against Spain I would say it was kind of a flattering scoreline for Spain as well so I'm kind of intrigued yes. to see how 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 Scotland do because I watched that game and, and there were periods where you just couldn't believe the ball hadn't gone in the back of the net for Norway they managed to give a lot of trouble uh, to Spain and Spain just hit them sucker punch couple of goals off set pieces in, in two goals in three minutes in the second half and that was it game over but Norway were in it for long long periods so again mm intrigued to see what Scotland do tonight in front of their home crowd is that right they're at home aren't they yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it's going to be a good one I think it's going to be a good one prediction <laughs> I don't do predictions <laughs> I certainly know what Scotland are good so. <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd say that so I thought I'd put you on the spot if you haven't seen the highlights France destroyed the Netherlands some beautiful goals in this game and I kind of went I, I, I watched England games and went we're as good as any 
we're as good as any nation right now. I felt so confident. And then I watched France's goals against the Netherlands and I was like, okay, all right, maybe there's a little bit of a gap. <laughs> They're still bloody good, aren't they? Um, but yeah, I mean, Mbappe and Griezmann's finish for the first and just, they were great. They were great. So check Ireland it out. Ireland tonight. Ireland tonight. Evan Ferguson. Well... Mbappe's been talking about how you know he's he's got. <laughs> so listen, if if Kylian Mbappe wants to talk up Evan Ferguson of the Republic of Ireland, the guy must, must be doing something. Right. <laughs> he, he must be doing something right, and he must be going into this game on cloud nine with loads of confidence. You know, yeah. well they they are improving, and and I I felt sorry for Stephen Kenny in some ways because he's had to take over a nation which has clearly been suffering. But there's some good things. Three Premier League goalkeepers now. At, the Republic of Ireland. You know, have got Ferguson who's coming up front and there's others to follow. So, do I expect Ireland to get a result? No. Um, but I think it'll be a bigger test than Holland were for, for France. You think so? Yeah. Ireland will be a bigger test than the Netherlands. Tony Cascarino said it here <laughs> first. Why is that? Because the Netherlands have been lack- lacking for me a hunger and desire for quite a long while. You know, watching them in the World Cup, I, I thought they were... And also team. And the Dutch have had fantastic sides over the years. Watching them now in the modern game, yeah, loads of great players in many different positions, but I just don't think they've got the collective, which they've been accused in many times, by the way, but they've had far better teams than this one. It's a big test against France. The, the very final thing I wanted to mention on the podcast, I don't know if you saw the pictures, Zlatan Ibrahimovic came onto the pitch in front of the fans in Sweden Huge reception for him. He broke the record that has stood since 1983 of former Italy goalkeeper Dino Zoff to become the oldest player to figure in a European Championship qualification. I think he's 41 and a half, basically. And I just wanted to ask you two about your favourite golden oldies that you probably played with, maybe you played against, just an older player. Come on, Tony, it's probably well, you, I, isn't it? <laughs> Well, no, it's an easy question, but I, I then, you know, think about many different. I, I tell you one that I, when I first came, uh, encountered, and I thought, wow, and he was a great pro, great runner, was Brian Robson. Brian Robson was some athlete as a player, you know, and I know he's not the most gifted footballer you could think of, but boy, could he keep going. I, I was just thinking, as you were saying it, by the way, on Slatan, has he got anything to prove? Well, and we started that earlier on about having to prove all the time. Yeah, if you ask him, he's definitely going to say no. But I'll probably um, go Kenny Dalglish, really. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. Oh, my hero. Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what are you asking me? The, who, you played who, who with played someone. With? Who's, okay, Des Walker. Des Walker. Yeah, I mean, he was. You got to play with Des Walker. Yeah, he was twice my age. Oh, I literally... didn't answer. Sorry, I didn't answer that. I answered players that oh, I played against. Yeah, but you, no, oh, uh, it could have okay. been, been either. You could okay. listen. Oh, right. okay. We'll come back to someone you played with if you want Des to. Wa- but, yeah. but Des Walker, he came back to Nottingham Forest when I was like, I was going to the first team about nineteen. So, and I think he was thirty-seven. So, not far off, twice my age, and just an unbelievable player to to play alongside. I mean, like he he let you know if you did anything wrong. Uh, I don't think I've. I, was, I remember writing a piece a while back saying that I think I. I mean, some fans might say of of uh, the, the clubs I played for that they might disagree with this, but I very rarely played anyone off uh, onside because of Des Walker because he always said to me like if he was facing if I was a left back and he was facing along the line I always had to be on his shoulder like and he was always, he was always head was always on a swivel just little nuggets of advice like that he was brilliant with young players and like big character obviously huge personality and huge uh, legend for Nottingham Forest mm. coming back and 
put you know he he was involved in a a, a playoff campaign as well when he returned. So he 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 played on for another year or two, I think. So close to close to forty odd. I'd go for Terry Ola because if I got in trouble on the field, Terry would look after me and help me out. And uh, he was known as the wild man from Bormio. Uh, <laughs> as as a Millwall player, so Terry. I, I remember him at Rangers. <laughs> he was brilliant for Rangers, wasn't he? Graham Sutton was well too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was crazy man. <laughs> Love it, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Been a pleasure as always, Gregor Robertson and Tony Cascarino. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you check out the game each and every Monday. As I say, some great stuff on Spurs from Gary Jacob and also from Alison Rudd. You can read it on the Times app. So download that if you can. If not, get the game online. The times.co.uk forward slash the game we'll see you on Thursday plenty of international football between now and then but also lots to look forward to this weekend we'll see you soon helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.